Hey fam, a new bonus episode of Stay Watching is in your ears right now. As always, it's me, Larry. I this is going to be a little bit of a weird kind of bonus episode because it's really just going to be off the cuff. Uh, if you've been following me for a long time, listening to the podcast since the beginning when it had a completely different name, uh, you will kind of recognize this as, as much more the, the kind of off the cuff style that I would approach uh, LM2 talks with the the basically the, the previous version of Stay Watching. And you know, I, I really like to do this sometimes because there are just sometimes when you really just want to talk about a topic, you you don't necessarily, you know, want to do it in any kind of controlled way. You just want to go where your thoughts carry you. And and that's really how I feel about this specific episode and this specific topic uh, in which I'm going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League and why I want it to be good. And and I know that's going to seem weird to, again, people that follow me on social media know that I I was a longtime person who said the Snyder Cut didn't exist uh, or that, more frankly, it was probably an assembly cut, which was not a finished movie and we would not just be able to kind of see, uh, which was the case. It was more or less an assembly cut that was not finished. Um, basically what happened with it. There is a fantastic article in Vanity Fair that if you are interested in the saga of how we got the Justice League movie that was released in theaters and how we're getting this current Justice League film, I would definitely advise you to track that down. Uh, but basically, Zack Snyder kind of made his name starting out with commercials and music videos and and moving into his remake of Dawn of the Dead. And, and really where I learned about him was seeing 300 in theaters with friends. And I remember, you know, finding out that, all right, this guy is going to be making a movie of Frank Miller's version of 300, the, the comic book version of 300 and not the actual, you know, tale of 300. You know, I was super intrigued by that proposition. And, you know, I'm going to be real, like it is it is a movie that I bought on DVD. Eventually, I, I am going to have to get a Blu-ray version of it because DVDs just don't do things justice anymore. Um, but, you know, it was just so visually striking and the way that the filmmaking was approached and the visual language that was used, like it, it really did feel like Frank Miller's comic brought to life. And it was it was this really amazing experience. And so, you know, after that film, you know, I, I kind of had lost track of him a little bit, but found out he was going to be making Watchmen at one point, um, you know, at some point. And, and Watchmen was, you know, if you're into, you know, comic books as an art form, Watchmen is something that you are, are told to read. And, you know, it, it is this very classic thing that everybody has, you know, their their own relationship with. And 
Zack Snyder made his version of it and, you know, while reception to it is is mixed largely, you know, I, I would be lying if I did not say that I wasn't enthralled by it and intrigued by it. And, you know, I I am talking as somebody who owns the the director's cut of that film um, just because, you know, I think he's doing something so visually cool with it. And and sure, again, you can argue that he might be missing some aspects of what the narrative was actually trying to say, and, and that's fine. Um, but as a piece of visual filmmaking, you know, I, I do find it quite astounding. And and I think that that's the thing. Like when I when I look at specifically where I kind of really fell in love with his work with Three Hundred and with Watchmen. You know, I I was really, really just brought in by by the way that Zack Snyder was able to translate these amazing illustrations, these amazing comic book pages and, and translate them to something, you know, on film, on screen that that felt just as vibrant as those comics sure maybe a little grittier a little darker um but it but it felt like i was watching a comic book and i know we we always say that when we're whenever we're talking about a comic book movie but there is a specific feel to the way that his films were produced um especially those two that that really really gave off that vibe and really worked his next superhero outing, though, was where I, I think things started to I, I don't want to say sour because, again, like, you know, Watchmen came out to mixed reactions. But for me personally, I I struggled with the Man of Steel, his his take on Superman, you know, and a lot of people struggle with his kind of entry into the DC universe because or, or, you know, the, the more, the more vibrant DC universe, because technically Watchmen was a DC property, um, you know, but a lot of it comes from the fact that people felt like he was misunderstanding the characters fundamentally. Like he didn't get what made Superman Superman. And, you know, he was missing that, that hope that, that Superman brings with him. He was missing that humanity that Superman brings with him. And, you know, I'll be honest, at the time that I watched that film, I had a lot of those same feelings. But on subsequent watches, you know, I, I actually think the version of Superman that he created in this film is believable in its own way. You know, it, it, it sure, it's a different telling of Superman, but you know, Superman being willing to kill to save people is not anything new. Uh, technically, we saw that in the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. Technically, Superman strangled himself to death in Superman three. Uh, so, you know, we, we can't we can't act like Superman killing Zod in the Man of Steel is, is this wild departure, um, you know, but again, it was the hopeful nature of Superman that was lost. But the story that we got with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel was much more about Superman contending with fitting in, essentially, you know, knowing that he 
he isn't a person, you know, he isn't like a human being, um, but trying to find his place among them, trying to reconcile the powers that he has and and really understand his place, understand how he can be, you know, in a sense, worshipped by the people that he saves, yet still kind of have the humility to do it. And the fact that because he is Superman, he is exposed to all of the ills of humanity and he has to basically will himself to continue to save humanity on a daily basis. And 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 looking at it through that kind of lens, it, it it's kind of helped me in retrospect have a much better feeling about that film and a much better understanding of that film. And then again, I I I found myself the first time I watched it struggling with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice when we when we got there. You know, because again, you know, we have a movie where Batman is using guns and killing and, you know, Superman is still brooding and, and nothing seems to make sense. And there's the Martha scene and, you know, nothing is quite right. And I don't know if I like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, but now that I think about it, it's actually the perfect Lex Luthor for the time that we live in. And, you know, all of these different things. And I found myself years ago now purchasing the director's cut of Batman the Superman Dawn of Justice and I watched it and sure it's it's probably longer than it needs to be but it's a better film than the theatrical cut and it really had me thinking maybe this guy has something maybe this guy is capable of making something interesting. And if I take a step away from, you know, the Saturday morning cartoon versions of these characters that I grew up loving, because, you know, let's be real, even though I read, I've read DC comics all my life, my best memories of those characters come from Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Static Shock, Static Shock, Justice League Unlimited, like all of those shows are, are really what formed my love of a lot of these DC characters and a lot of my opinions on them, a lot of the kind of, you know, the lore and canon that I follow for those characters is, is really built from those programs. And so, in a sense, it's it's about kind of deprogramming yourself. I mean, anybody who's read DC long enough knows that there's a thousand different versions of just about all of these characters. And I think one of the things that we got caught up on while Zack Steiner's versions of these films were coming out was that desire to want to compare what the DC movies were doing to what Marvel movies were doing. And it's not really fair to do that because one, you have different characters who exist in different worlds, who have different power sets, and, and really the idea of the way that Marvel characters are framed has largely traditionally been somewhat different from the way that DC characters are framed. You know, basically, 
in a lot of cases, Marvel characters are regular people who have superheroism thrust upon them or superpowers thrust upon them, or they have no choice. You know, in the case of the X-Men, they are just born different and they are, in a sense, you know, shackled to these powers. Spider-Man, an accident happens. He gets bitten by a radioactive spider. He gets these powers. He's forced to use them because he didn't act and his uncle was killed. Bruce Banner gets his power in a freak science accident, and he is forced to reckon with the ills of the work that he was doing because he's then transformed into the Hulk. You know, again, regular people who are kind of forced to become superheroes for the most part, you know, there, there are some people signed up for it, like a Captain America, I guess you could argue, signed up to get some shots and get, you know, to get some steroids and get some height and strength. but. You know, not everybody has that same story in the Marvel Universe, where in DC, in some cases, like we literally have gods like Wonder Woman may as well be a god. Superman is an extraterrestrial god, even though Batman is a we will we pretend Batman is a regular person, but I mean, he is a billionaire, so he can do pretty much anything he wants. You know, you know, the Flash can literally enter the speed force like the like the, the he can he can reverse time he can collapse universes um it's just such a different world than what we get with marvel and the heroes there and i think that's something that ended up being a, a kind of detriment to what was going on in the dc universe because you know from the movie perspective, like you don't want to do the same exact thing that your competitor is doing. You know, in some cases you you want to kind of ride that success, but I understand that they wanted to approach it differently and I think it worked. You know, part of it was due to the way that Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy had kind of set up this darker DC universe. But even before that, Tim Burton's Batman 1989 was a super dark universe. And so, you know, sure, the, the Schumacher Batman films, you know, might have been a little lighter. And, and before Tim Burton's Batman, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve, you know, Richard Donner Superman movie was a much lighter affair, throwing back to like the 1940s and 50s. Um, DC, as we knew it at the time, you know, in the 2000s was kind of the darker place. And so Zack Snyder's vision made more sense for these characters based on kind of what had been established. Like, even when you think about Batman, the animated series it came out in the 90s, you know, after Tim Burton's Batman kind of established a dark version of the Dark Knight. You know, we are talking about, even though it was a, a children's cartoon or supposedly a children's cartoon, you're dealing with really adult themed, really dark things are happening in that show. And I, I, I think it's unfair that sometimes we we want to to crap on Zack Snyder's vision for his his DC superhero films because they are dark, because they are gritty. Like, sure, we may not agree with all of the story decisions, but tonally, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and I actually think it works in a lot of cases. So I say all of that to kind of frame 
where Justice League fits into all of this because the theatrical version that we got, um, again, you can read all about, you know, the, the actual process of how we got what we got, but essentially the short version is Zack Snyder has a family tragedy and he is already kind of fighting with the studio about the film that they're making. They want it to be lighter, funnier, more like what Marvel is doing. He doesn't really see that, but again, he's dealing with a family tragedy. And so rather than fighting this, he decides it's best to remove himself from this project. And, you know, Warner Brothers DC, they had already kind of been talking with Joss Whedon. They had already brought him in for a few things. And so he starts building his own scenes and, and you know, reworking parts of the film and, and rebuilds it into this really grotesque monstrosity. Um, you know, easily the worst of the DC films that have come out. And, you know, look, I know Suicide Squad, as much as I wanted it to be good, is not good, but it is still in my opinion, far better than that Justice League movie we got, um, which is filled with weird sexist jokes, colors that don't make sense, weird characterizations, like really awful tone shifts, like everything that could go wrong with it went wrong with it. And so bringing bringing Zack Snyder back now to do this, you know, in some cases, you know, I think it's pretty clear that HBO saw this as an opportunity to use HBO Max to do something to, to get themselves more subscribers. You know, I think it all comes back to that in the end. This was an opportunity for them to get more subscribers. It's something that people have been clamoring for. Um, release the Snyder Cut was this big thing from the time that Justice League came out uh, and was critically and, you know, and and it, it was it was panned by critics and the general public who went to see it people demanded to see the version of the film that Zack Snyder had created. Um, and for years this had gone on and then eventually, you know, actors from the film like Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman and, and Gal Gadot and, and, and Ben Affleck, who plays Batman, you know, they all jumped on to say, yeah, you know, release the Snyder cut, you know, people deserve to see this. And, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, I don't even want to say they, they caved to the pressure because, you know, I guarantee you somebody saw that, saw the dollar signs and said, hey, I guarantee we can get people to sign up for HBO Max. We're, we're starting the streaming service. We can get them to sign up if we tell them they're going to get the Snyder Cut if they sign up for it. it it's a no brainer. And. So that Zack Snyder agrees to do it. You know, they wanted him to, you know, basically just release the black and white version that he had on his laptop that he that he left with the unfinished version. And he basically said, no, um, I want to finish my movie. And so Zack Snyder went to work, you know, getting getting the CG done, getting, you know, a little additional photography done, you know, additional filming done, uh, bringing a few of the actors back to film additional scenes, restoring scenes that were removed from the theatrical cut of the film and doing all of this without pay, um, doing this 
really as a way for, him, for himself to deal with kind of the family trauma that he had gone through and, and was dealing with at the time that he was originally working on Justice League. Again, I'm not going to go into the exact details of that incident. You know, I think it's it, 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 I will link to this Vanity Fair article in the show notes. I think it is so important to read. It, it is one of the best reads that I've done in a while on something related to entertainment. Um, I, I think it, it's so important that people engage with this because it, it explains a lot of, of kind of what went down. But, you know, again, uh, just kind of getting back to why I'm kind of hopeful seeing him come back to this project. It, it really is all about that vision, you know. And so, again, regardless of if I agree with every decision that was made with these characters, um, you know, would I love to see a more hopeful and vibrant Superman? Yes. But it's also fine to have Superman questioning himself and questioning his devotion to humanity. I think that's fine. I, I think that's something that we we literally get with stuff like The Boys and Homelander and we eat it up. But because we have a pre a predefined idea of what Superman is supposed to be like, we don't allow ourselves to engage with a different version of that character. I, I think that's I think that's a little bit unfair. Uh, and I know, again, I've been guilty of this. I have I have said some of these things. I have held some of these opinions like I've gone back and seen, you know, some of the things that I posted on, you know, on my feelings on these things. And and look, I'm not going to pretend like some of these things don't deserve ridicule, like literally seeing the seeing the quote, seeing the excitement that Zack Snyder had about, you know, Batman's going to say fuck in our movie like that's dumb. I don't I don't care about that. And, and knowing that, you know, knowing that to a degree, this film is is uh, for lack of a better way of putting it going to be up its own. But, um, you know, I. I I, I'm still probably going to have that critical take. Like when I review this movie in a few weeks, um, you know, I, I am sure I am going to pick apart some of those elements that I don't feel work all that well uh, or or do a disservice to the story that Snyder is trying to tell. But again, you know, I would rather see a director get to see his vision all the way through than to see it taken from him and changed into something completely different. You know, again, so I, we we didn't get to see almost any of Ray Fisher, uh, who plays Cyborg. Uh, we didn't get to see any of his story, you know, really like we we got it very much in passing. And it's like, to me, that's weird. We have this character who is technically incredibly important to the lore of the story that we are watching, but we have no idea anything about him. You know, we don't really, we don't really get his story. So, you know, I'm excited to see that come back into the fold. We, we have like the worst, like uh, to me, the version of the flash that we got in that theatrical release of Justice League was one of the worst. Um, we have no idea about his personal motivations or who that character is really um, outside of being this like weird, 
loner character who doesn't really know how he fits in. And, and granted, he may still be like that in Zack Snyder's version, um, but getting to actually see him save people, getting to, getting to see him interact with his father more, getting to see him interact with Iris West, those are things that I am excited to see how Zack Snyder envisioned those things happening. You know, seeing how maybe some of the stuff revolving around Aquaman is different because it feels so weirdly handled in the theatrical cut that we got that I, I don't I don't understand how anyone thought that was good. You know, and sure, sure, I may not be in love with the visuals that I've seen for Darkseid in Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I am very interested to see how he factors into the story, what it means for how Steppenwolf's character will be different, and how it impacts the the overall story that's being told in, in uniting those folks. And, I'm, and again, I'm also just very interested in how are characters like Batman and how are Wonder Woman handled differently in Zack Snyder's version of the events of this film in contrast to the theatrical release. I just know that the way that he would have approached those characters, the way that they interact with everybody else and their overall story would have been a little bit different. So what does that look like? You know. Obviously, as a longtime comic book fan who who read the the death and, and rebirth of Superman back in the day, you know, I am super interested in seeing Superman in the black suit. I'm very interested in understanding, you know, what are the differences in the way that he is revived in the Zack Snyder's version versus theatrical cut. Those are all things that I'm interested in seeing. And again, like I, I just want to see how Zack Snyder would have handled his film from start to finish. Do I agree that he should be putting out in 4-3 aspect ratio? No, I understand that he has a specific vision for this to be seen on IMAX. And, you know, had there if there wasn't a pandemic going on right now, I am sure I would have found a way to go and see this on an IMAX screen the way that he intended it because I'm a glutton for punishment. Like I look first time I see this, like I may not like it, but again, I own all of Zack Snyder's DC films and I rewatch them and I have grown to appreciate them so much more each time that I view them. Uh, and I, and I have this feeling as much as I do, like, and, I, and I can't pretend like I don't like to dunk on his approach sometimes because there are aspects of it that are so silly, but I would, I would be absolutely lying to you if I said that I did not want this to be good and that I am not hoping for this to be good because I, I do, I want it to be good. I am hoping that there are amazing sequences in this film. You know, I, I always think back to Batman v Superman and, and sure, while I may not love, you know, you know, the actual Batman v Superman and the, the Martha of it all, you know, I always think about certain aspects of that film. And specifically, I, I think to, you know, that, that courtroom scene and, and the idea of, you know, Superman being the only person who survives this bomb blast of this, of, of Lex Luthor's attack within that building. And, 
you know, there's just something so visually striking about that or, or Superman at the Day of the Dead Festival and everybody is is reaching up to him to, to touch him. And, you know, I, I just think that I, I, I really want to see what visual language Zack Snyder chooses to use in some of these these moments because you know again like i i think where Zack snyder's strength is and i think this is true of if you're looking at 300 if you're looking at watchmen if you're looking at man of steel if you're looking at batman v superman and i guarantee you if you're looking at justice league his strength is in his moments you know when i re-watched man of steel recently the thing that stood out to me the most, you know, and there's there's a lot that stood out to me in that movie. And I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it watching it recently. I I was kind of mad at myself for having some of the opinions that I did of it earlier in my life. Um, but that experience of watching Superman learn to fly it is like it is one of my favorite moments and i just feel like in a movie where we're being you know technically speaking we're being introduced to you know we're, we're being introduced to aquaman and the flash and cyborg i want to see their moments you know i i want to see the moments that that are kind of those defining visual moments for those characters in this film because you know i i don't necessarily think we got them in the theatrical cut of justice league i i would i would argue or i would surmise that most of those moments probably ended up on the cutting room floor of the theatrical version and will be restored in this version so you know again even if overall the film is not this perfect thing, I am excited to see Zack Snyder's vision for the Justice League. And I am excited to see him kind of, you know, even though we know he may not get the other films that he would have loved to make and, and continue the saga and, you know, have his, his epic, you know, trilogy or quadrilogy or, or whatever whatever he had planned for justice league even if we're not going to get that i want to see his roadmap and i think getting this four hour cut of Zack snyder's justice league we'll get to see that roadmap and and you know i think that's ultimately all we could really ask for at this point so yeah that's that's what i'm saying i just i i really I really, really, really hope that it's good. Um, you know, I want it to be something that we can all look at and say, well, we were, we were wrong about that. I want to say that I was wrong. And hopefully when I review this film in a couple of weeks, I will say I was wrong, but Hey, this has been a bonus episode of Stay Watching. If you have thoughts, if you want to talk to me about your feelings on Zack Snyder's Justice League, hit me up at Larry Tron if you want to reach me out to me directly uh, or at Stay Watching Pod uh, on Twitter. If you want to shoot me an email, send it to staywatchingpod at gmail.com or hit me up, Larry, at lm2photo.com. 
Mondays at the Movies is going to be in your feed on Monday. Uh, right now, it's looking like I'm going to be reviewing Tom and Jerry and the United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, if that changes, you will know. And if that changes, I will sound stupid at the end of this episode. So, as always, stay watching, fam. Peace.